You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you in part by 2for1pizza.com. Try 2for1pizza's new goat pizza with goat cheese and mozzarella, crispy bacon strips, and red onion finished with their delicious balsamic glaze. Visit 2for1pizza.com. Welcome back. Hour 2 coming at you now. Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. It's Julie Tesheri and Mike DiStefano. We'll be joined by Joe Bowen in mere moments, the voice of the Maple Leafs. Chat about this weekend. Chat about the upcoming trade deadline, chat about everything that went on around Leafland, around the NHL this weekend. Um, and we talked about a lot of it in that first hour. A lot of the exciting trades that, that we're so excited to see happen on Friday unfortunately went down. Actually, AB, I feel kind of bad saying unfortunately because we complain when there's no trades and we also complain when nothing happens at trade deadline. I guess well, we can't it, have it both ways. Well, it could sprinkle in here and there. Like, A I didn't sprinkle? need five big trades on Sunday. You know, you can give me Sunday. one. And then I could chew on it for a couple of days and maybe give me one more. Like, Barbashev could have been dealt on Wednesday and that have been right. okay. And then you could have, you know, waited for Nino Niederreiter and Dadanoff to get traded on Friday. You know what I mean? Like, just sprinkle it in throughout the week and throughout the final couple of weeks. But th- this happens every year where there always seems to be, like, one day where, like, a domino falls and then there's just a barrage of trades. And it happens within, like, that two-week span of the deadline. And then you've got James Duffy, who it's become an annual tweet. Quote tweets one of the big dominoes who falls and gets traded. Last night it was Timo Meyer, and he just sends out the little white flag gif, little white flag gif, and he's just like, yeah. "Oh no, that's that's gonna be a toughie for him and the boys on uh, on Friday." It, I, it's like who's left? Well, O Dog has tweeted out. Yeah, well, you know that guy that Mike Johnson broke up. You ever, ever brought up? Ever heard of him? Uh, Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, but I like Alleged- aside from Chikrin, allegedly he plays in this league. Allegedly yeah. he'll be traded. Like we, well, know I haven't knows. seen him in three weeks. So who knows? No, yeah. Um, but like JVR like, is what the biggest name on the board now in terms of forwards. Is JVR the go the guy to get at this point? Like, is so that upsetting. the one we're we're going to be hyping up all week as like the big fish on deadline day? I guess like, like maybe Patrick King could become official closer to the deadline. I don't I, know. Like, it's not going to be exciting though. That one feels already happens. done, right? Like it's, that's yeah. basically seems already wrapped up. So it's not going to be a big shock. Have we when given it comes up? Down. Have we given up on on EK six five? That dream is dead. Ooh, good question. Um, it seems less likely now, doesn't it? Like I there's know been, it's gone totally quiet. Yeah, it's it's been a lot, uh, very quiet of late. And now you've got apparently. Edmonton is one of the teams who was interested, and now they're poking around on other defensemen, like at Colm. I think Edmondson was a player that they're now interested in as yeah. well. I saw Drags reporting, so it seems like they're like that's just such a tough deal to do mid-season. You know, I, I think if there is something to be done in the off-season, maybe there's a team out there that could create the space to create it. Mid-season is so difficult, um, so I, I I probably would bet on it not happening more than more than seeing. EK and a different team come uh, come yeah. Friday. Um, speaking of, I don't know, that wasn't a very good transition, so I'm not going to share it with the world. But Jeff O'Neill <laughs> has has shared out a funny tweet, tweet a suggestion, a, a request from from the world. He's looking for a stunt double on Friday. I'm looking for a stunt double this Friday <laughs> during some really slow times. If your buddy looks exactly like me, please send photos to 
add Hayes TSN at Overdrive 1050. I love how he didn't include himself. Don't send them to me. Send them to these other people. I won't be going through them. <laughs> you send them to these guys, and we might pick someone this week. I'm 6'1", 198 LBs for comparison. Is that what he said? Yeah. So if you got someone in your life that is 6'1", and 198 LBs, O-Dog is looking for a stunt double for Friday. And with that, let's bring in the voice of the Maple Leafs, Joe Bowen. Bones, you ever had a stunt double before? You ever needed someone to... I don't know, slide in, replace you in a scenario. It's an interesting concept that O-Dog is bringing up for Trade Center Friday. Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) There's only one Bonesy. There's only only one. one. Off the top of my head, I don't think I've ever needed a stunt double uh, for any of the stupid things that I might have actually wanted to try. I I did (laughs) declining the... uh, uh, while I was on vacation, I could have used a double there maybe, but no. Um, well, I guess my follow-up for you, we haven't talked to you since the O'Reilly acquisition. So when you saw that one go down, I'd imagine as a play-by-play guy, the first thing in your head was, uh, this is really good for the team, but oh, damn, this might get a little bit hard up in the booth. How has the O'Reilly-Riley differentiation been going up up in the booth? Well, of course, they're spelt completely different, so it's you true. have to pronounce them differently. One is O'Reilly. And the other is Riley. So you right, have, I heard to, that. have to be very careful because one is Riley, the other is Riley. It's sort of like <laughs> Matthews you know, with two T's. You have to pronounce both T's, Matthews. So, yeah, I, I think I've done. <laughs> I appreciate the apostrophe. Riley, I, I do one. appreciate that uh, that little wrinkle in there as, as a bit of differentiation. In uh, you know, I well, think it, was a, it is part of the name. I mean, you, I, I, it's silent apparently for most people, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it is it is there. So I think maybe at some point in time you should actually you know say his name perfectly as opposed to you know the slang, which is just O'Reilly. We're chatting with Joe Bowen, voice. Does uh, make any sense to you two clowns? Oh, uh, it's, I mean, it's checking out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bonesy, always, always with the quip jokes. Uh, voice of the Maple Leafs on TSN 1050. Um, I mean, wow, as you were calling the game last night, how much were you keeping track of what was going on around the league? Well, we were, we're we were keeping track of the the Tampa Bay score um, uh, because that's obviously a very important aspect of it, and you know it, it appears that this is going to be a battle for home ice advantage. And when you consider that neither the Leafs nor the Lightning have been particularly good on the road, um, the Leafs getting just a little bit better at that uh, with the win last night, and Tampa not so much. Um, home ice could be a very large factor. Um, now, it obviously, Game 7 was a different situation last year and other years, but I still think that if you're, uh, if you're going to play a Game 7, I think you'd rather have it on your turf. And uh, I think that down the stretch here, and the fact that both teams have got a lot of games on the road coming down the stretch, uh, the Leafs are going to have to play better, and, and, and they have. And it was nice to see uh, Ilya Samsonov improve his statistics on the road because at home he's been lights out on the road like the rest of his mates, not so much. So um, this is an important road trip for them um, and to get off on the right foot like they did last night and have Tampa lose as well helped. 
Yeah, two tidy wins against playoff teams, and, and you're right, a good performance from Samsonov on the road. Uh, aside from what Tampa was doing on the ice in, in terms of scoring, they made a move yesterday. They acquired Tanner Janot for uh, a pick for every goal that he scored this year, plus a player. It was, it was, it's an interesting nice. deal, Bonesy. What did you think of it, and, and do you think that it will – I know it's just a, a third-line acquisition, but do you think it could spark – maybe a reaction from the Leafs just knowing that their third pairing is going to have to go up against this really heavy player in front of the net? Well, you know, maybe. I I think that they would like to add um, some physicality to their defense core uh, if they can before the deadline. But um, I don't think that it's that much of a deal. I think as far as Tampa is concerned, um, it's kind of rearranging the deck chairs a little bit. So uh, I, I, I thought it was a large price to pay, to be honest with you. But uh, having said that, um, you know, they have been pretty successful over the years of adding a, a piece here or there. But the whole Eastern Conference has just gone crazy here with trying to load up. And it looks like it's going to get even bigger with uh, Patrick Kane possibly moving to the Rangers. So, um, between New Jersey adding a big piece, the Leafs getting O'Reilly, um, uh, Boston doing uh, a little bit of work as well, um, uh, the, the, the teams in the East who are going to make the postseason are certainly trying to make their team just a tad bit better heading in after the uh, trade deadline. So we'll wait and see. But I, I would think that the Leafs would like to maybe get some size back there uh, as a depth piece as far as their defense is concerned and a little bit more physicality we're out with William Nylander like is he a guy who like I think he's a player who certainly has improved and he's looked good especially as of late at two points last night made some good defensive plays like what what areas of his game have you been most impressed with of late and has he shown you that he might be ready to to take on more of a prominent role come playoff time well I'll tell you what one of the things that obviously is is maturity and and young people mature at different ages and different levels and we always knew that William Nylander had a great offensive player and a great bit of skating he was uh, you know accused of being a little bit shy going after uh, in the four check all of that has changed this year it really has he has turned himself into a 200 foot player his plus-minus reflects that uh, on a daily basis uh, and a game-to-game basis. Um, his aggressiveness in the forecheck has added to his point totals. Uh, he's going to have a career le- uh, year in goals and points. Um, and I think that that whole idea of just maturing and, and maybe watching a fellow teammate in Austin Matthews on how he has uh, transpired from – a goal scorer and a young man into a full 200-foot player and working as hard uh, trying to steal pucks back and and take pucks away in the defensive zone as he does in the offensive zone. So, uh, I I mean, this has been a breakout season for William Nylander, and uh, I'm I'm not going to shy away by saying that I was a critic when he wouldn't do things like he has done this year, but he has certainly taken the bull by the horns and uh, has played exceptionally well at both ends of the rink. And that's, that's just a, a, a nice bit of maturity, I think, when you break it all down as far as a young player is concerned. 
Yeah, maturity is a great word for it. It just seems like he's found himself and he's doing all those things that you just talked about. And, and even better than is seeing that connection happening up in that first line last night, Bonesy. Matthews, Marner, Bunting combined for three goals last night, two of them from Austin Matthews. Were you liking the way that top line looked with the band back together and you think they get a little bit of a run here? You sure that's the first line? Yeah. Last night, Honestly, yeah, it's, I'm it's sure. a good question. Last night, <laughs> last night, no, that, but it's a fair question. That, that, that is the question. I mean, yeah, that it's is, fair. And and when when they do get to the postseason, depending on how uh, Sheldon Keith decides to arrange the chairs, um, it, it's going to be a, a real tough decision for the opposition as to who is your best uh, defense pair going to be out against uh, when you have the last change on home ice. And the other aspect then, of course, is who do you decide to send your one or two or one A or one B, whatever you want to call them, uh, out against somebody else's third or fourth pairing um, when you're in the situation of having home ice in your rink. And, um, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, um, Jim Ralph and I talk about this a lot, and he is of the opinion and I have to kind of think maybe under the circumstances now with O'Reilly here that having Marner and Matthews together is probably optimum because I think the other unit with Nylander and uh, Tavares and O'Reilly will drive itself and will certainly be as productive, if not more, than the alleged first line. So uh, all of that is there, and... Uh, even the fact that uh, a little tinkering of putting O'Reilly on a third line in order to stretch things out may be a, a, a piece of the puzzle that will be played about during the uh, time going from now to the end of the regular season. So Sheldon Keefe has got a lot of pieces, uh, puzzle pieces, that will fit various areas of the puzzle. And it's great to watch him kind of move things around and not just on a whim. It's something thought out. It's discussed with the individuals, and they have all bought in, and we're going to see how it works out between now and the end of the regular season. And then, of course, it'll become a, a game-to-game, a period-to-period, a situational uh, change that may happen because of how things are going in each game. But having the ability to have these guys play with each other, be accustomed with each other uh, during the regular season and being moved around a lot is going to probably pay big dividends that it's not going to be totally new to them when it happens in the postseason. Uh, we're with Joe Bowen, voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, well, you mentioned Tavares there, and he scored a goal last night and uh, tied his how many goals he scored all last year. How would you assess his this little five-game sample size that he's had playing on the wing so far, Bonesy? I think he fits it well. Um, I don't think uh, John's not going to tell you that he's the fleetest afoot, but he certainly knows how to work the boards. He knows how to play in front of the net. And when you've got a guy like uh, Ryan O'Reilly, who has been part of the Selkie conversation numerous, numerous seasons with various teams, uh, you're going to be stronger down the middle. And if nothing else, how about what he's done in the face-off circle? I mean, he's up around 70 75% since coming to Toronto. And that's, I mean, unheard of. So having said that, I think John has bought into it, and I think that he will benefit from it because um, he's going to have more um, 
time as well to be on the wing, going to the front of the net, where O'Reilly is going to be more cognizant of the defensive aspects of the line and being in good, solid position both offensively and defensively. And he's certainly uh, really good along the boards and in the forecheck as well. So uh, I think with the talent that Nylander has to kind of uh, uh, work the outside and these guys work the boards in the front of the net, I think it's a nice combination. Yeah, both 1A and both 1A and 1B look look great right now. I agree with you, though, Bonesy. It's it's not totally defined as to who the first and second line is right now. Lilligren had a great night last night. Sorry, go ahead. I'll tell you what, guys, the third and fourth line is up for, despair, for debate. True. Yeah. Um, I mean, Charlie has made a, a really nice addition to that fourth line. It's uh, if that's the fourth line. Um, uh, it's uh, physical. Um, it's uh, they're they're playing well. They'd like to have a little more offensive flair, but so would uh, David Camp's unit as well. But they're playing well in both ends of the rink and uh, and not giving up opportunities. And so, yeah, the, I, I, the, both acquisitions from St. Louis are playing a key role as far as the Leafs going forward. Yeah, they've, they've blurred the lines between the first and the second and the third and the fourth line. It's not a bad thing. With Joe Bowen right now, the voice of the Maple Leafs, Lilligren had a great night last night, and, and this whole season has kind of been his coming out party. Ever since the Leafs acquired Mark Giordano at last trade deadline, it feels like he's gone better and better. He had two points last night. To you, Joe, has he kind of proven that he could be a factor in the postseason this year? I think one of the things that we've seen is his physicality. I think that he has, uh, you know, found that, and he's kind of grown into his body as well. Here's another young defenseman that's, you know, getting bigger and stronger. And uh, I, I, he's not shying away from any of the physical play at all. And Mark Giordano obviously does a great job of, of helping him. Um, it's the old adage that uh, don't ever pass the puck back to me when I've given it to you. Give it to one of the forwards to screw up, but get it the hell out of our end of the rink. And that's been sort of the bailiwick that the two of them have done. And Mark Giordano, as the veteran that he is, uh, settles things down, and I think that that has uh, uh, played well as far as uh, Timothy Lilligren is concerned. I really think that the, the fact that he is more physical this year than past, I think, has played a big part in the development of his game this year. Bonesy, we also saw, along with uh, what's been going on around the trade deadline and all the trades that went down at least a couple games, a goalie goal was uh, was on full display Saturday night. Linus Olmark, full 200-foot snipe from his paint, basically. Have you ever gotten a call a goalie goal through your career? Uh, no, I called goals that were scored from about 197 feet away. <laughs> on ah. uh, yeah. But I've never called a goalie goal. No, I mean, we, we, we ran them down last night. And these are guys who actually shot the puck, not that were credited with a goal. Mm. The, the, we called a goal against uh, the Buffalo Sabres when Robert Reichel, in an attempt to center the puck, shot it all the way down into the empty net uh, for an own goal that was credited to the Buffalo goaltender because he was the last guy to touch the puck. But um, uh, Pekka Rene in 2020, Mike Smith in 2013, Evgeny Nabokov in 2003, Jose Theodore in 01, 
Martin Brodeur in 1997, Chris Osgood in 1996, and Ron Hatstall in 1989 and 1987 actually got the puck on their stick, got it elevated enough to get it out and get it down the rink and score a goal. So uh, congratulations to them. Um, you have to have a little bit of the nerves of steel, and you'd better have a two-goal lead when you decide you're going to try that. Oh, they didn't. I think it was only a one-goal lead when he tried it. But I wonder, because they did have like that goalie shooting competition at the All-Star break. I'm pretty sure I do remember Allmark being part of it as one of the shooters. So there was a little bit of practice there with a shot from that type of range, Bonesy. Well, I mean, they all try it in practice, and they all mess around with it and have fun <laughs> and everything else. So it's not like this is something brand new, but... Uh, uh, you know what? If Boston wasn't so far ahead, I'm not so sure that Omar could have tried it with a one goalie either. Yes. But their their record right now, everything is coming up roses, and uh, uh, we'll wait and see how the postseason goes. But at this point, this has just been the season for the ages, as far as the Bruins are concerned. Yeah, seriously, it doesn't seem like it can get any better. Before we let you go, Bonesy, what would you rather see? What would get a hockey arena? On its feet more, a goalie goal or a goalie fight? Well, I've seen a few of those. Um, I love them. uh, The Hextall uh, pot van one was certainly one that I'll never forget. Um, Personally, you know what? We'll probably see goalies trying to shoot it more often than we'll see fights between the two of them. So I'll go with the goalie fight. Me too, Bonesy. I agree with you. (laughs) I'll say this though, when he like he legitimately scored and took the line though, like he went that was unreal. And fist bumped all of the players. It was kind of funny. I, you know what? I saw I saw something on I don't know what it, one of the social network things where the goalie stopped the penalty shots uh, to win the game, and he got down and grabbed the net and started doing push-ups with the oh, net. I saw that. And that's good for you. <laughs> we don't get to celebrate anything. And I, even the way the Boston Bruins, two goalies, do their big hug at the end of the game. I mean, all, all the goalies end up getting is getting scored on and people doing high fives and jumping for joy and going down the bench. And then the hell with that. What would happen if the goalie did a cartwheel after every damn save he made? So I think it's <laughs> a fine time that the goaltenders got to celebrate a little bit. And good for Omar for uh, becoming a forward just for a few seconds, if not at all. That's right, Bonesy. Tendies are people, too. They can celebrate just like the rest of them. You bet. Love it. Appreciate the time, as always, Joe. Uh, we'll, we'll chat again real soon. You bet. All right, guys. Take care. There he goes, Joe Bowen, voice of the Maple Leafs on TSN 1050, honorary member of the goaltending club. That's for sure. That's Joe special Bowen club. is. Special club. Yeah, he and Jimmy Ralph. I'm sure Ralphie would be just as passionate about letting uh, letting goaltenders sell as much as they can. It was just funny to see. Like, that was a snipe, though. Like, if you watched, like, I'm sure you watched the replay. Hey, yeah. Like, I didn't that see guy, it live. I just saw the replay, yeah. Right. Like, that guy legitimately grabbed that puck, and he sauced it 200 feet on one bounce, I think, and right into the center of the net. Like, it was it was something. That was, was something to, uh, to see. It was. It really, really was. All right, JT. On the other side, what's in the group chat? Coming up next, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Desherios and Elise Lunch here on TSN 1050. Matthews has done it again. Now, back to Leafs Lunch. 
on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Okay, guys, breaking news. We just complained that all the trades had already happened ahead of the trade deadline, but gosh darn it, the Toronto Maple Leafs have provided us with a dandy to talk about. The Toronto Maple Leafs have received Jake McCabe, 50% retained, which is interesting, Sam Lafferty, Chicago's fifth-round pick in 2024, which is conditional, their fifth-round pick in 2025, also conditional, four, Toronto's first-rounder in 2025, that's conditional, Toronto's second-rounder in 2026, Joey Anderson and Pavel Gogolev. That is the deal, A.B., and, and we just finished talking about, oh, the Leafs, maybe they'll have to, we, we <laughs> talked about the fact that we'd like them to add a defenseman. Does Tanner Janot change anything? We don't really think it changed anything. They were always going to acquire a defenseman, and this is a guy that you specifically, A.B., have kind of had circled for a while. We might be able to get Frank Corrado on to, to react to this one, but your initial thoughts, Al's brother. I like the deal. I do like the deal. Um, I've, I've, you know, been saying for a little bit. I feel like that, especially after what we saw happen this weekend, Toronto needed needed to respond and bring in a top four defensive, and they've done that with Jake McCabe. Like I think that he can play a responsible two way game. Is he like the most physical player? Um, no, there probably was more physical guys out there, but he is a guy who, over the course of his career, is not afraid to hit, not afraid to block shots. I think he's like approaching 800 hits and blocks over the course of his career. Um, but what I do like is the fact that he is retained at 50%. So the thing with Jake McCabe is, so I believe he's at a $4 million cap hit retained, makes it a $2 million cap hit for this year and next, Julius. So he's under wow. contract for next season as well, which... I I figured they would not move Jake McKay, or they wouldn't move that for a future first-round pick if they weren't going to get term. Like, they already made that big move for a rental in Ryan O'Reilly. Were they going to make another trade for a Gavrikov and give up a first-round pick? I wasn't sure on that. But a guy like Jake McCabe, who is under contract next year, that gives you two kicks at the can with a guy who's pretty solid um, in his own end, can play you know a physical game, you know six foot one, two oh four, can play on your penalty kill, can eat up some minutes. So I I do like the deal. And Sam Lafferty is a player that's been brought up a couple of times. You know he's yeah. a depth guy again, someone you can throw into the fourth line equation, third line maybe. Um, so he's somebody who who also is going to come in and uh, and probably play some you know some bottom six minutes who can also kill penalties a little bit. Yeah, really exciting. So. So now I think like this this is these are the deals. Like I think he's done now, right? Probably, yeah. Like I think now you look at it the the cap space is pretty well used up. Like and, and over the course of the weekend we saw them send Jordy Ben down to the minors, which did open up enough space to make this deal happen. So um I would imagine unless it's dollar in, dollar out deals from here on out, that there's probably not much else they can do. I mean, but is again, there anything else that you'd even want him to address at this point? We're going to get Frankie on in, in about a minute here for for more reaction to this this big one from the Leafs. They get Jake, yeah, and Sam Lafferty. You know, it's interesting now because I look at it and, and I'm trying to think how does this how does this group, you know, how do these pairings shake out? And maybe that's something that we can ask with Frankie. But now you're looking at it right, and you're thinking, okay, we've got. Riley and Brody, and then Jake McCabe's going to slide into that, you know, second left shot defensive role. And then what do you got? Are you are you comfortable now with Timothy Lilligren? Like can McCabe and Lilligren 
be that guy? Is Justin Hall going to be that guy? And then you've got Gio more properly slotted, I guess, at his age to be down in the third pair. Let's bring him in. We got Frank Corrado, uh, you know, <clears throat> Frank Corrado, former Leafs defenseman and uh, TSN hockey analyst. Frankie, what's going on, pal? Not much. I'm just having a nice, peaceful afternoon here on the couch with my dog and um, getting Love phone that. calls that, uh, you know, stuff is happening in Leafland. Very exciting. Yes, well, Jake McCabe is now a Toronto Maple Leaf along with Sam Lafferty. They've given up a future first-round pick. Your thoughts? I like it. I like the trade. I, let's start on the back end since I was a defenseman when I played sometimes. Um, Jake McCabe, is a, so he's my age. I played against him a lot. I played against him in the minors, played against him in the NHL. He has always played on a bad team. And he's always looked good on bad teams, which is, which is interesting, right? Like, you know, you, you can get carried away with some of the numbers, maybe like if you don't think there's that much production offensively or you, maybe you think the plus minus, those, those shouldn't matter at all to the game Jake McCabe plays. He's had a lot of bad circumstances and he's always looked good. And even kind of watching him across the ice every once in a while, you see him kind of problem solve his way out of a lot of things. He plays with a little bit of a physical edge and it kind of fits. Um, the roles and identities for this Leafs team. What I mean by that is, like, last year they brought in Labushkin, right? And it was maybe the best move you could have thought of at the time. But he didn't necessarily have the puck-moving capabilities that you would have liked. But, you know, he, he, was, he was physical and he did his thing. Like, Jake McCabe will provide that, but he can actually move the puck still. And so it won't look like he's that much more out of place. So I, I do like it from that point of view. And Sam Lafferty... Funny enough, when I was playing in Wilkes-Barre in the, huh. in the American Hockey League, he finished his college career. So he came and joined our team, and we were calling him Lafferty Daniel, like the Happy Gilmore reference, <laughs> reference a lot. Um, so I'm sure he appreciated that. Um, but he's turned himself into like a serviceable NHL player. Um, he's found a little bit of a scoring touch this year, which is nice, and his shooting percentage is up. But like that's a that's a good depth piece lower in the lineup now that you can get a little production out of and it seems like he's got some pretty good wheels he plays with some energy so he's going to fit in that um you know that kind of category of players in your bottom six i like listen you talk about all the eastern conference teams that are kind of loading up here now and toronto made their big move this is another big move for this team and it's two pieces that are going to help yeah okay so frankie Let's build a lineup card together, buddy. How does this blue line shake out with the addition of, of Jake McCabe? Who's his ideal partner, yeah, do you think? I've actually, I've actually been uh, somewhat tasked with that for our uh, overdrive Ooh. today. Um, a couple different scenarios that I could see, and I'm, I'm going to send some... Um, you know, send some different scenarios over to our pal from the bridge here momentarily. Uh, but Jake McCabe plays in your top four. There's no other way around it. He has to play in your top four. He can also play the right side, so he's versatile. And I think that's something that they would like about him, um, you know, the fact that he can play both sides. And we know TJ Brody can play both sides. Um, as far as ideal partner, this is probably going to be a little bit of a work in progress like we're seeing with Ryan O'Reilly where – you know, he played with Marner. He's going to play with Nylander. Um, we're going to see Jake McCabe play with a number of different players. But what I will say is, if you think you can get the most out of Justin Hall playing with TJ Brody, then maybe Jake McCabe goes up and plays with Morgan Riley on your top pair, like and plays the right side. Like it, it really depends now. Like you can slot everyone a little nicer. 
Um, and in all honesty, I thought Rasmus Sandin has played really well last night coming off the injury. Um, I thought he held his own and then some. So it'll be interesting to see who's the, the odd man out. But um, Jake McCabe, he's going to be in the top four. He's going to play a big role. He's a versatile player. He can play the right and the left, and he can play all situations. And, you know, for a guy who hasn't had the best circumstances around him throughout his whole career, he's looked really good for a long time. Yeah, that was going to be my next question to you, Frankie. Obviously, they bring in a guy like Jake McCabe, and nobody off their uh, their main roster goes the other way, especially no one on the blue line. So somebody is left uh, on the outside looking in. You think Rasmus Sandin is that player? How do you think he's going to react to that? Uh, yeah, like, and that's the thing. Like, It's a good problem to have because you know Rasmus Sandin, if you go by merit, he probably deserves to be in the lineup, right? Timothy Lilligren has, has played excellent, and... Um, so the, the question becomes, who is the odd man out? If, and then Justin Hall, like when, when Justin Hall, I know he takes a lot of flack in this market, but when he's playing at his best, he really is an effective player, especially on the penalty kill. And so it'll be tough decisions. I just know, and, and we can't just say it's going to be Rasmus Sandin out of the lineup just because he's the youngest guy, or maybe he's a smaller guy. Like that's not fair to the player. It's also not fair to the situation. Um, it, it, it's going to be probably a situation where it's fluid and similar to up front where, you know, you're thinking, is O'Reilly going to play on the second line? Is he going to play third line center? A lot of it's going to be based on circumstances, right? You just have more tools at your disposal. Uh, one thing's for certain, Riley, Brody, Giordano, um, and McCabe, like those guys are going to be playing big, big minutes. And then, you know, as far as Hall, Lilligren, and Sandine, like that's going to be a lot of you know merit-based kind of stuff. I just I I like the decor because there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of ability now. So when you compare, we had Mark Masters on on Friday, and and on Friday he said I think that the Leafs blue line last year when they played against Tampa is or I guess was now that it's different, uh, stronger than it was, or is weaker rather than it was last year. Do you think that now that they've made this move, that's that's still the case? Like, what blue line did you like better after the trade deadline this year, assuming that, that the Leafs are done? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with Jake Muzzin last year. And, you know, when you look at it on paper, having Jake Muzzin was was huge, right? But he was hurt, and he wasn't playing to his capability give him a lot of credit he was able to play well in the first round of the playoffs and it was very noticeable um but you kind of went under the assumption here as the season went on that jake muzzin was not going to be be available so you take that out of the equation um jake mccabe is a much better pickup than Ilya labushkin was i think Ilya labushkin last year was playing too high in the lineup and that was more out of necessity whereas a guy like jake mccabe coming in this year like, that's, that's properly slotted where he's going to be playing, and it's going to slot players a lot better. So from that point of view, I like it better. There's way more depth now, too. Like, last year you were having to rely on a Carl Dahlstrom if, if, if you know, things got a little squirrely, and now it's like, okay, you're at the point where one of Spending, Lilligren, Hall are going to be out of the lineup. Then after that it's like Connor Timmins, it's Jordy Ben. So you start getting into situations where – you know, you're seven, eight, nine deep. You can feel a little more comfortable with who you have. Um, so I, I, I would tend to say like the, the Jake Muzzin loss, like healthy Jake Muzzin loss sucks. And I, you know, I, I miss that kind of player for the Leafs. But given the circumstances and what's transpired, I like this blue line and the, the makeup of, of it much better. 
Frankie, how long would you say it takes for defensemen to kind of get comfortable playing with one another? Like you mentioned that we'll probably see Sheldon Keefe tinker a little bit to see what exactly fits and works. How many games do you say it typically took for you and a defensive partner to kind of understand each other? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on kind of like your your DNA, who you are, how you communicate. Like um, I can tell you from my experience playing with the Leafs, um, my first games ever were with Roman Polak, and that was super easy, right? It was We kind of just had a mutual understanding how things go, how things work, and um, after that I got to play some games with Dion Phaneuf, and that was awesome as well because it was simple, it was predictable. I kind of knew I could play with a little more of a chip on my shoulder as well, which I really liked. Um, but when, when things got a little unpredictable for me was when I played with the guy, like I played with Morgan Riley, I played with Jake Gardner, and those were the ones that were, there was a little more nuance to it. Those guys really wanted to assert themselves with the puck, be up in the play. And um, it went from being more of a simple game with the other guys to, okay, I got to be a little more alert, a little more attentive here. All of a sudden now my reads with and without the puck um, have to be a little more crisp. So um, there's a little bit of give and take there. So for a guy like Jake McCabe, he's going to come in and play with Giordano going to be pretty seamless he's going to look really good right away he's going to play with Brody a lot of the same like Brody's a good facilitator for his partners he's going to come in and play with Morgan Riley that's going to take some runway because you see the way Riley plays he's always the fourth man in the rush he likes to get involved offensively Um, you know he likes to use the middle of the ice even at times when maybe you think okay that's that's a situation where you live to fight another day and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that that's his game but those are the things that are going to take a little getting used to. And even just, you know, understanding, you know, when you're going to be aggressive up ice, what's your cue or your trigger in the defensive zone to kind of flex out and go to a corner or, you know, where are you taking your box out player? Like there's, there's a lot of nuances and, and differences from team to team, system to system. Um, it'll take a little bit of runway, but for a guy like McCabe, I kind of come back to the fact that this guy played on Buffalo teams that were really bad for a long time. He played on a Chicago team that was also really bad. And if you kind of just watch him play, um, it never really seemed like he was too out of sorts. And it seemed like he could really negotiate things quite well on the ice, um, considering what was going on around him. Yeah. Okay, last one for you, Frankie. Kind of in the same vein. I'm scrolling through his elite prospects right now, as we do on days like this. He has not a single postseason game recorded on his entirely prospect like I'm back in college right now man does that scare you a little (laughs) no it doesn't it it honestly doesn't because that's kind of like you win and lose as a team you know those are the situations you you were placed in like when when did Jay Bomeister finally play a playoff game was it 10 years into his career something like I I can't remember but I I remember that was like the longest thing going and Jay Bomeister was always a shoe-in at Hockey Canada events Olympics uh, all those kinds of things. So that's more of a byproduct of the teams he was on rather than him. I'll tell you what, though, like if that worries you, maybe you can kind of flip it the other way and think like, how hungry is this guy to actually play some NHL playoff games? You think about every single year, you go to training camp, you do all the ridiculous fitness testing, you do every workout, you do all the bag skates, you're, you know, you're so committed to, to being a good player and, and building your craft. And at the end of the year, you're done in April. Um, you know, like that would be such a breath of fresh air for a player to finally get an opportunity to play in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, and, you know, every year the playoffs come around and 
you can bet there's one player in the room who's been around the block a little bit who's going to come up with the speech, boys, you never know when you're going to be back here. So let's try and make the most of it. And for a guy like Jake McCabe, he could really speak to that, the fact that he's actually never even been there and he's been in the league as long as he is and he's 29 years old. So um, I, I think it's a pretty exciting moment for him and I would imagine he's ready to hop into a playoff series. Okay, really quickly before we let you go, you poked fun at yourself over the weekend saying that Lena Solmark is two goals shy from tying <laughs> your career uh, totals in goal totals. I do want to let you know that there is a Hockey Hall of Famer out there that does have three career goals, Frankie, if that makes it feel any better. Yeah, that's uh, who is it, Al's brother? Is it a goaltender? It's it's Martin Broder, yeah. Real cheeky, yeah. buddy. <laughs> Thank you. I'll remember that, Al's brother. I'll remember that, buddy. Uh, I love you, buddy. I love you, buddy. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah. Julia, love you guys. Al's brother, great job on the dance floor Friday night. Julia and I <laughs> had serious FOMO throughout the course of that night. Like medically, yeah. like it, it was almost medical grade FOMO. It was the craziest amount of FOMO we both have ever had before. We were dissecting every Instagram story. We were, yeah, it, it was, it looked like an amazing time. <laughs> it was a good time. I will say that yeah. it was a good time from, uh, from most of what I remember. It was, it was a fun time. We'll have to go out uh, at some point, all three of us, and you'll have to enjoy it and see the moves on display yourself. All right, buddy. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's good to chat. You're going to be on OD later today. Yeah, yeah, overdrive, 4 p.m. All right, you'll chat then. See buddy. <laughs> there he goes, Frankie Corrado, TSN hockey analyst, uh, former Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman. Big trade, whoop, big whoop. trade. Why don't we break and we can come back. Um, I think we might try and get someone from Chicago on. If not, we can try and break this thing down uh, ourselves. More information kind of coming in. and I- I'm gathering more information on these two players as well. So uh, more reaction to Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty on the other side. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julie Desherry. This is the Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa Prepaid Cards. Available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Leafs Lunch rolls along here on TSN 1050. And to recap, about 15 minutes ago, JT, we had a trade come through. The Toronto Maple Leafs have acquired Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty from the Chicago Blackhawks. They're giving up a first, uh, future first-round pick in 2025 that is conditional. Another second-round pick, Pavel Gogolev, and then Joey Anderson also going the other way. Um, and look, the big reason why you make that trade and Kyle's comfortable moving that first-round pick in the future is because you're getting... McCabe for two more years. I think I said only one more year uh, earlier, but there's actually two more years left on his deal after this season. So you got three kicks at the can with Jake McCabe at two million bucks as he's retained at fifty percent. So you get a top four defenseman at two million dollars for the next three seasons, which is incredible. And then also Sam Lafferty under contract for just a hair over one million um, this year and next. And both of these guys are, are pretty good players. Um, as of now, though, it appears that the Leafs would be over the cap um, if they activate yeah. Matt Murray, Julia. So it, 
something else will probably have to drop. One of two things I think would have to happen. Either Matt Murray might be on LTIR the rest of the season potentially, or we could see one of these pending UFAs go out the door, whether it's Pierre Engvall and Alex Kerfoot, or maybe Justin Hall, like they brought in another defenseman, right? So do they need to have nine NHL D-men, maybe even Rasmus Sandin, who's a young player? Could they garner like another a future asset, get picks back for Sandin? I don't, I'm just, you know, spitballing here, obviously. Yeah. But it it would appear that maybe there's one more move and one guy going out. But all in all, I mean, you look at last Thursday prior to the Ryan O'Reilly deal, how much better this team has gotten. They've brought in Ryan O'Reilly, Nolachari, Sam Lafferty, and now Jake McCabe, and they haven't really gotten rid of anyone on their roster yet of any consequence. I mean, this is just a really solid deadline from Kyle Dubas. Yeah, um, it, it, no roster players out the door. And, and we every time we have a player on to talk about a trade, the first thing that players say, and, and God bless them, they're such nice guys all about the team, they say, oh, but who do we have to give up? And, and, and you know that's an, uh, a sad thing that happens in rooms, especially when you're yeah. making a run with a core that you know a lot. They haven't had to do that at all. Like They haven't had to mess with that mojo and send anybody anybody who somebody loves out the door yet. But interesting to know that they'll, they probably will have to with some with some cap gymnastics to to come here, A.B. But in terms of the trade itself, we, we started this show talking about Julian Brissouin and the absolute haul he gave up for Tanner Genoa just to slide him into his fourth line. And we, we are saying, we have been saying that we want to see Kyle Dubas be all in this year the way that we've seen Julian Brissouin be all in and, and success, successful in that way, like, are, are you happy with what he gave up here? People have been really nervous about that first-round pick. Like, are you okay with the deal that ended up coming down that Kyle decided to send it off in? Yeah, I was very much team empty the cupboards. I was. Me too. Like, I, I, I brought up the, the – I've been bringing up the Blue Jays analogy where I thought that the Ryan O'Reilly deal was Troy Tulowitzki, and they needed a couple weeks later to, to swing for the fences and bring in David Price, go all in. And they've done this now with bringing in Jake McCabe and, and Sam Lafferty. They're just a, a better team and more equipped to play against the Tampas and the Bostons of the world. Yeah. Like I'm just looking up um, Jay Fresh now has like these cards out on – both of Lafferty and Jake McCabe, like he's got a projected war in the 85th percentile for for Jake McCabe, um, awesome. 77th percentile and an even strength defense. Um, he's a pretty clean player. Sam Lafferty, 85 percentile in terms of being a penalty killer in the NHL. So now they've got someone who can go out there and kill some penalties, and he's provided some offense for Chicago this year as well. He's got 21 yeah. points in 51 games. It's not bad out of a fourth line player. So I you're know. getting two guys who are kind of checking boxes for depth pieces who can help defend and and in Lafferty's case maybe add a goal or two here like maybe Lafferty can be that Nick Paul-esque ad for the Toronto Maple Leafs you know what I mean so it'd be nice uh, if if we could have that story where it's Sam Lafferty in game seven who scores you two goals and you think back and say good thing that he made that trade and he went all in Kyle Dubas I'm referring to because um, you know they they kind of need need upgrades everywhere and, and they've really done that in the last two weeks 
Yeah, somebody already pointed out on Twitter, Sam Lafferty, tw- and I know points don't tell the whole story when it comes to Tanner Janot. He obviously brings that physical grit and, and the snarl yeah. that, that teams like Tampa and like so much and the postseason lends to so well. But Sam Lafferty, 21 points, Tanner Janot, 14 points, and, and kind of interesting <laughs> just based on what both GMs gave up for those specific players. But nobody's going to criticize Julian Brissois because nope. he, he does these very – Peculiar things, and they always end up working out for him. <laughs> he, he knows yeah. his team, and he, he knows how important the third line is. So interesting, but, I mean, interesting times. Uh, Sam Lafferty, he, he'll throw the, his weight around too. Like he's got 94 hits on the season. He had 103 hits last year. He had 137 the year before that. And this is in 56, 46, 51 games. So like he's a guy who, on an 82 game basis, you're thinking could throw out like over 150 hits, maybe. Neck close to 200 hits, so like he's going to be in there on the four check and try and and turn get some turnovers, turn some pucks over, and win some puck battles. I, I like it. I can't wait to see what they're all about. I'd assume, you know, we'll get a a, a good look at them when they play Edmonton. Well, they got Edmonton on Tuesday, I believe, and then win it or yeah, was it Edmonton Tuesday, Wednesday, Edmonton, and then and then Calgary, uh, Calgary Thursday back to back. And Lafferty yeah, fought so. some pretty tough customers actually too, like. I, I didn't yes. realize like, Josh Manson. He's fought. That's a pretty tough. Con- customer. I think Jake McCabe was in a fight this weekend. I believe. Oh, uh, I think it was Connor Murphy. But oh, Corey either Perry. way, like those are pretty tough guys. McEwen that he's fought. So not bad. Let's I've see got, him. Let's see him in blue I, and white. Ab. I, I have a lot of uh, trivia knowledge on Jake McCabe. Maybe we can go through some of it tomorrow. He, well, he was one of our contestants. He was our, one of our valentines. He was. Just call him our so, valentine. It's more fun. One of our, all right. He was one of our <laughs> valentines. And uh, so I, maybe tomorrow we can get into some of the gems that I've uncovered about him. I'm sure we'll uh, we'll be breaking this trade down and seeing how now the Leafs stack up. This is probably going to be the roster going forward. How do they look? Well, we'll talk more about it tomorrow, JT. Fun show. Um, but that'll do it for us today. Maddie Cause with Gameplay next.